Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, what's up, New Orleans? What's up across the Gulf South? And what's up to you listening across the world at WWL.com or the Radio.com app? Welcome on into the show. Got a big one for you. Glenn Gilbo's coming in in about 10 minutes, and we moved him to the start of the show at 820 because we had two more LSU basketball defections today, or at least NBA draft declarations. Emmett Williams and Javante Smart, both declaring for the NBA draft. They'll go through that process at the Combine. And that doesn't mean anymore, any of these NBA draft declarations, even if they hire a lawyer, doesn't mean that they can't come back to school anymore. But the sky's not falling. However, there is some reason for worry here now that you have five Tigers who have declared for the NBA draft. We'll get into that in just a second. And we have lots of guests tonight. Scott Kushner at 835 to talk Pelicans, possible new GM, Anthony Davis trade. Jeff Palermo comes on the show at 920 to preview LSU Missouri baseball. Carter Bryant, his weekly spot at 940. Tim Falcon, owner of NOLA Gold Rugby, is there back home this week. He comes in at 1010 and will replay the Sean Payton interview on Sports Talk in the 10 o'clock hour tonight. So that's our show. Also, the Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll at WWL.com tonight. Are you worried about the LSU basketball drafts? declaration simple yes or no there are you worried that'll be our opinion poll at wwl.com and the radio.com app so five tigers have now declared for the nba draft javante smart emmett williams today nas reed tremont waters skylar mays before them and that makes it five before you start sounding the alarms here head to social media and message boards to Vent your freak out. And you got to know that the NBA draft rules have changed, or at least the NCAA rules around that have changed. Hiring an agent no longer means you've called it a career in college. This rule change was implemented for the first time this year. What it does is it allows players to hire agents without losing college eligibility. You can declare for the draft, go through the NBA combine, and then decide to return to school so long as they participate in that NBA draft combine. Previously, before this year, if players had hired an agent, they would have forfeited any ability to return to school. You had a lot of players declare and then come back, but they hadn't hired an agent. The difference is now you can actually hire an agent to help you out through the process. This is a great change, and thankfully now players can gauge their draft stock and interest from NBA teams without this disastrous possibility that they would not be able to play in college or the NBA. This is a good change. So you have the pessimistic and optimistic view of these draft declarations. The optimistic view is that these players are going to do just what I talked about, test the waters before they'll decide to return to LSU. I think Nas Reed, most analysts believe he's gone for good. Draft stock too high at this point. It would be a bit of a shocker if he undeclares a first-round pick in most mock drafts right now, if not a first-round pick, a high second-round pick, and that's good enough for most players 
to declare and go get paid. The other four players, their situations are a little trickier. Let's run through them here really quickly. Tremont Waters, after Reed, probably the least likely to return to LSU. He was a Koozie Award finalist for best point guard in the country, a team's leading scorer these last two years, and again, the most highly regarded LSU player outside of Reed by these NBA scouts. Here's the thing, though. He's not ready to play in the NBA. He's 5'11". That size is going to scare away a lot of teams. And he had 5.8 assists per game on the season, 3.5 turnovers per game. That assist-to-turnover ratio, that's going to scare away uh, a lot of talent evaluators. It's going to make them cringe. You've got to take care of the basketball better if you're going to play at the professional level. I think Waters must know he must must know. He would go undrafted if he stays declared. But undrafted doesn't mean you can't get paid somewhere. Could be in the G League. Could be overseas. We'll see. Skylar Mays, interesting prospect to me. Freakish athleticism. We've seen it. He can score from the perimeter a little bit. He can score off the dribble. And he has some size, 6'4", more than Waters does. But Mays isn't ready to play in the NBA. Not now. Might even have trouble cracking a G League roster. I think he could carve out a little niche as an athletic defensive guard, possibly. Here's the thing with Mays, and the reason that I kind of lean that he's going to leave. He's going to be 22 years old this fall. That clock is ticking on his ability to go make money playing professionally. He knows this. I would expect Mays to stay declared. Now, the other two guys, Javante Smart and Emmett Williams, a little more of head-scratchers here. Javante Smart, certainly a head-scratcher. Until you remember, he was at the center of this Will Wade controversy. His family was investigated by LSU. That alone might have been enough to scare Smart away from the college experience. Smart's not going to get a, a real look on draft day. And I don't think he'd even make a G League team at this point. But here's the thing. There's plenty of professional basketball roster spots across the world. It's like I said about Skylar Mays. He could find a job somewhere. I kind of think if Will Wade gets reinstated, you can expect Smart back. If not, I think it's a wild card. It's a toss-up. Emmett Williams, I really like Emmett Williams more than, uh, you know, your average talent evaluator. There is little doubt that Williams would eventually get a serious look from the NBA, but that's the key word here, eventually. Raw, athletic, but he's undersized at 6'6", a little bit of a tweener. Talking about the next level, he'd play somewhere between the three and the four. He's 6'6". You can't expect him to effectively play the power forward spot or center spots in the NBA, even though they're trending towards small ball. Doesn't have the outside game yet, 16% from three this year. A little complicating factor, a little bit like Skylar Mays. He's an old freshman. He's going to turn 21 before his sophomore season. But if you look at Emmett Williams' skill set a little bit, and look, this is probably an unfair comparison. Not probably. It is an unfair comparison. But hear me out here. Maybe a poor man's Draymond Green. Exceptionally athletic, has shown the ability to be a very skilled defender and rebounder who can play the small forward and power forward spots. Those are prized commodities. Green spent four years at Michigan State and then was drafted in the second round. Green was never star in Michigan State, but I liked him. I really liked him coming out. 
I also really like Emmett Williams as a flyer prospect for NBA teams. I'd like him a lot more if he had a couple more seasons on LSU's campus, but easy to see why I think some scouts are going to be enamored with him. So if you're playing the odds here, here's what I think is going to happen. I think Reed, Waters, Smart, they're gone. They played their last games at LSU. The other two would return, but the complicating factor remains Will Wade and the shadow over the program. If you look across the country right now, you have 80 underclassmen, give or take a couple here, who have declared for the NBA draft. That works out to about one draft declaration per Power 5 plus Big East program. That doesn't even count any major or small major schools. LSU has five declarations. Five. I don't care how you're trying to spin it here. That's not normal. And we know why it's happening. A lot of people buried their head in the sand when Wade was caught on these federal wiretaps. You can't keep your head in the sand here acting like nothing's happening. Even if Wade is reinstated, the recruiting pipeline, it's quickly run dry for LSU. Nobody's talking about this. Last year's top five class was a hallmark for the program. This year's class, it's not even on the radar. You have just two commits here, three-star guard James Bishop, two-star guard Charles Manning. They do have interest from a five-star forward, Trenton Watford, and also uh, another four-star guard from Florida. But those are just interests and not really high interest here. You know that this dark cloud of the Wade investigation is going to make landing these players less likely. So is the sky falling because you have these draft declarations for LSU? No, the sky's not falling. Let's be honest here. Even if you play the odds and two of these guys come back, Smart and Williams, well, you're not really reloading with an exceptional pipeline this year. Right now, you have your assistant coach, Tony Benford, out there recruiting. LSU's recruiting without their head coach. So just watch this play out here a little bit. Watch this play out. Even if Will Wade returns to campus, everything's not going to be hunky-dory. Not yet, Not probably not for a year or two. I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll chat with Glenn Gilbo about this. Glenn covers LSU for the Gannett, Louisiana, and USA Today Sports. It's the last lap here on WWL. All right, welcome back to the show talking about the draft declarations. Five LSU basketball players, including Javante Smart and Emmett Williams. Those two guys joining uh, Nas Reed and Tremont Waters and Skylar Mays, who declared previously, so it's five Tigers, five LSU players, 80 in the country. It works out to about one per power five plus big east program and lsu has five five that's not coincidence we all know why it's happening here let's bring on in glenn gilbo to talk about it covers lsu for the Gannett, louisiana and usa today out of baton rouge uh, glenn what'd you make of uh, these latest declarations and, and really in total the five here that lsu has seen you know um i wouldn't i wouldn't make that much out of it actually um i think a lot of these guys probably would be doing this even if Wade was the coach and, you know, not suspended and everything was great because, you, you know, you got to remember this is the number three class in the country. These guys would probably be taking a look-see. Anyway, I, I think the only one of the five who's going to get drafted is Nas Reed. Uh, I think Tremont Waters just really wants to go. 
but he's not going to be drafted, I don't think. And the other three are really just kind of taking a look uh, to see what happens. Because, you know, with the new rules, you can you can actually get drafted and still come back. And if you hire an agent, if it's an NCAA-certified agent, you can come back. So there's a lot more um, avenues to come back if you don't like what you see in the draft. And I, I think right now, I think three of those five are probably going to be back. Well, it's it's uh, it's interesting here. Uh, uh, which three of the five? I guess you think Nas Reed is gone and Tremont Waters is gone. You think Skyler's back? Yeah, I, I think the other three will be back uh, because I don't think they're going to get good good draft grades. Uh, now, you know, some of the freshmen may transfer, depending on what happens with Coach Wade, uh, and you know, what, if they make a new hire or not. Uh, so we'll have to see about that, but. Um, you know, I, I think uh, I think a lot of this looking at the draft is pretty routine. Now, you just you just said how many people have, have declared. You know, declaring for the draft doesn't mean you're definitely leaving anymore. Right, because you can now even hiring a lawyer, right, Glenn? You can hire uh, lawyers, uh, agents, which I guess are lawyers. You can hire uh, agents and go through that process. And I guess if as long as as you go to that draft combine, you can come back. Exactly. Uh, and, and if the agent you hire is NCA certified and, and uh, you know, none of the agents that, you know, I'm not sure if any of the agents they've hired, uh, the LSU players, or if they've hired agents are certified. So there's still a lot unknown there. But there's definitely, you know, there were some new rules last summer that really made it easier to, to come back, and that's some of that. <clears throat> the the state of this LSU program, uh, Glenn, with these declarations and – um, you know, even if we were agreeing, uh, I guess we're disagreeing on one guy there, but we agree that, that half these guys, give or take one, is are coming back. The recruiting class next year, the future doesn't look all that. The immediate future doesn't look all that bright. I mean, it, it, their their class is is non-existent right now. Yeah, I mean, it does. The future does look pretty cloudy. There's there's no question about it. And you know, finally, they're having a meeting tomorrow, Coach Wade, with LSU and NCAA officials. But I don't think anything's going to be decided tomorrow. It's, it's going to take several days probably for them to um, decide what they're going to do with Coach Wade, depending on what he says. You know, just, just to reinstate Javante Smart, that took a week. Uh, and he's not he doesn't have nearly the questions to answer that Coach Wade does. Uh, but, yeah, I would – you know, they have a couple of commitments for the next class that are technically still committed. But that's going to be difficult to try to – keep those guys on board because you know this it's rudderless right now you don't know who the head coach is going to be you don't know if it's going to be Wade it's it's not going to be Tony Benford uh, if it's not Wade they're going to try to make a hire so there's just a lot of unknown and you know in the meantime other coaches are being hired other coaches that LSU may have had a shot at so this process with Will Wade he had the April 22nd date where he is expected to testify in this federal trial. Can LSU really do anything before that? Like you said, Glenn, isn't this going to drag out for a while longer? I think so. And, and you know, people need to remember, too, Wade was was subpoenaed for that trial or, or the, the subpoena process started in February. LSU didn't suspend him because of that uh, subpoena. You know, they suspended him when the – Yahoo Sports report came out on March 7th about his recruitment of, of Smart. So I, I don't know how important that that trial is, and, and, and he may not be subpoenaed for it. Uh, but 
if he is, it will be interesting to you know to hear what he says, and I think that will be part of what is an NCAA inquiry or investigation that that is going on at LSU right now. And do, do you think Will Wade's going to be reinstated here? I, I mean, I know it's just high, conjecture at this point, Glenn. Well, it's possible that he could be reinstated. I think a lot of people at LSU want him to be reinstated. LSU officials are under a lot of pressure from fans and, more importantly, from fans who are donors with a lot of money that really want to keep weight. But depending on what – if he doesn't say anything in this meeting tomorrow and doesn't shed any light, or if what he says details NCAA violations, I don't think they're going to keep him. If you're asking me, I don't think they're going to keep him. I, I really don't. I, I think they're kind of covering. I mean, they, they don't know yet, but it, but you're asking me. I don't think they're going to keep them. And this process, you know, they're kind of covering their bases because if they do fire them with cause and get ten million dollars back, you know, they'll probably be sued. So they got to watch what they're what, what they're doing right here. But LSU's always sued by. I mean, they've been, <laughs> like, they're, they're litigation veterans. They, you know, they've been sued by two coaches just in the last few years. And and they're always being sued, so they know how to deal with that. Yeah, indeed. Uh, well, Glenn, thanks for the quick uh, chat and info here. Uh, really appreciate it, man. And we'll have you on again soon. Thanks so much. Hopefully, soon they'll have a basketball coach. Yeah, right, you. right. One way or the other. Thanks so much, Glenn. At LSU Beat Tweet on Twitter. Follow him there and his work at the Gannett, Louisiana, and USA Today Sports out of Baton Rouge. We're your home for fighting, uh, fighting Tiger baseball as well as basketball. Baseball in action this weekend against Mizzou. You can catch the first game tomorrow at 7, Saturday at 5, Sunday at noon, pregame 30 minutes prior to that. All the action right here at WWL, 105.3 FM and 8.70 AM. We'll take a quick break for CBS News. We're coming back in a little bit with Scott Kushner to talk Pelicans GM search. Welcome back to the show. Scott, uh, talking to Scott Kushner now of the Advocate Pelicans reporter there. Little Anthony Davis, little GM search here. Uh, Scott, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Um, let's talk about the GM search first. Uh, it sounds like everybody starting to believe that Danny Ferry is the man to beat for this job. Is that true? I think that's uh, an accurate way to put it. I think you could say he is the front runner. Um, I think he's been that throughout this process uh, and really since a couple of weeks after Del Demps got fired, everybody inside the organization, you know, that you, that you talk to um, seemed to, to appreciate his professionalism uh, and his experience and resume kind of speaks for itself. I mean, what he did with Atlanta, uh, I think alone would have been enough to make him a contender for this job. Um, not to mention, you know, Cleveland, but I think that's kind of, you know, an afterthought at this point, but what he did with Atlanta in particular, um, I, I think would have gotten him a really good consideration for this gig. Uh, and then when you put on top of it that they know what his you know day-to-day work life looks like, it removes some of those unknowns that might exist, uh, I, I think that, that does put him uh, atop the leaderboard uh, for this thing right now. Uh, what, about, what about David Griffin? What's that? Uh, what about David Griffin? David Griffin, I think, has a really good chance as well. I think the issue with David Griffin is – uh, he, based on you know everything I've heard, uh, is that David Griffin has asked for uh, a really uh, significant shakeup as far as the amount of front office support that he would get. 
uh, as compared to where the Pelicans are at now. So like a major, major investment uh, to make them, you know, like a top five ish level in- investment on the front office side. And I'm not entirely sure the Pelicans feel like that's necessary in order to win. Um, and so I think there's probably a slight disconnect there. I think he's got obviously a, a really good resume as well with what he did in Cleveland. Um, but, you know, in some ways, Ferry's resume is just as impressive building a 60 plus win team in Atlanta without the benefit of a superstar. So I could see it both ways. Um, I just think that Ferry is probably more likely to get the job at this point uh, than Griffin. But that's not to say that David Griffin is, is not qualified for the position. Yeah, it is. I just wonder if they're if they want the in, the reset here, Scott, of the entire franchise. If if they would keep Danny Ferry, but maybe Danny Ferry's you know the front runner here because they don't see this as needing a complete reset. Which I, Scott, I kind of agree. When you have Drew, Drew Holiday, when you got Julius Randle, when you have this core here, it seems like you're going to be at least pretty darn competitive once you execute that AD trade. Yeah, and that's I think the the other thought process of it is uh, can you build a team that is sustainable and solid and built around good, really good, but not necessarily great players? Um, you know, all stars but not MVPs. Can you build a team that way and be successful? Uh, and the answer is that Danny Ferry kind of showed the blueprint for that when he was in Atlanta. Uh, you know, he had four or five all stars. You know, he built that team. Uh, that one, I think, I think they won 62 um, and lost in the second round of the playoffs. But that was a team that was had really no, you know, surefire Hall of Famers on it. You know, it was Paul Millsap sure. and Al Horford and Teague, and I mean, that was a it was a, a team of really good players, but not great ones. And I think that if you're looking at what the Pelicans are probably going to be next few years, if you're if you're if you're not going to reset everything. That's probably what this team is going to be, which is a team that has Drew Holiday, uh, maybe Julius Randle, but definitely you know either a guy like Jason Tatum or some someone of that nature who is guys who are good, but not guys the level of Anthony Davis. And what they've tried to do for the last six years is really seven years, but just build around AD and kind of put pieces around him, like he's the sun and everything else sort of orbits around him. Yeah. And I think that model failed uh, pretty clearly. It failed. And so they want a different model, and uh, understandably so. And I think this one is more sustainable, building through the draft, using your assets uh, wisely. And there are guys who can do it that are not named Andy Ferry, certainly. Uh, I think Gerson Rosas is a really good uh, person to look at what they did in Houston, uh, building a team kind of, you know, out of nothing. They just collected enough assets and, and pieced it all together and, and built an incredible team. Uh, when you really think about, you know, nothing fell in their lap. They had to really earn every single one of those guys that's on that team. That wasn't draft picks. That was really smart trades and really well done front office work. So I think there's qualified people out there. I just think if you're asking me today who the front runner is, it would be Ferry. I got you. It's Scott Kushner, Pelicans reporter for The Advocate, joining us here on The Last Lap at Scott D. Kushner on Twitter. What would you make of the AD t-shirt, and then what would you make of his excuse for wearing that t-shirt, Scott? It's it's so on brand, isn't it? It's just like this is this is where we're at, you know? It's like this is – it was so stupid. The whole thing is so silly and childish and, and not thought out and could have been so easily avoided, and, and yet it happened. And it puts everybody in a bad position 
because we're sitting here talking about a T-shirt that he wore to the game, and he's answering questions about a T-shirt he wore to the game, and he's making up excuses about a T-shirt he wore to the game. It's just like, who cares? Like, this is so easily avoidable, and you're leaving anyway, and you've already done the damage. Like, who cares? Like, does it matter if the fans don't like him anymore? <laughs> like, right. They don't like him anyway. So it's like, this is all so dumb, and it's like, why would you even bother to – do a statement like this. It's not as if anything has happened to prompt him to do something additional other than ask for a trade, which he's already done the worst thing he can do, which is ask for a trade and then basically demand that he was only going to go to one or two places. And then, you know, he did all the worst stuff he could already do. So it's like, I don't see why this even matters, but it does. And it's, it's just, I think it's telling of where the situation is and how poorly this has been handled um, from his side. And, and I think, you know, the Pelicans certainly are to blame a lot for what has gone on and what has happened. Um, but this is just another example of the myriad of ways in which this could have all been handled better. <laughs> yes, it could be it could have been handled better from, I guess, all sides. I don't think I've talked to you about Alvin Gentry, Scott. Has it been an odd, not an odd, has it been odd to see him become kind of a local folk hero through all of this? Yeah, I mean, someone had to take the reins, right? It's like you, you had, you always end up uh, in a situation where there's adversity. You always end up with a couple guys who, who become the unlikely, you know, hero, uh, so to speak. Drew Holiday certainly was that guy. I don't think there's any doubt that Drew Holiday's popularity has risen, uh, you know, in direct, you know, course, correlation with Anthony Davis's decline in popularity. Uh, Drew has really kind of become the face of the franchise, and I wrote a column on that last week and got to talk to him about how he wants to be more involved, that kind of stuff. But then Alvin Gentry was the other guy because Alvin Gentry is the one who's had to really speak for everyone. He's the one getting you know, standing there on the sidelines where you're running out legitimately one of the worst teams in, in franchise history uh, these last 10 or 12 games. I mean, this is just garbage that they're throwing out on the court and making him coach. And he's standing there answering questions for the franchise when no one else answer it. He's really the only face of the organization um, left standing. And so he – and that's his personality. And, and that's kind of it's, – it's fortunate that he was the guy in that situation. There are a lot of coaches who would have been really bad in that spot, you know. <laughs> like there are a lot of coaches <laughs> yeah. who are not – do not have that type of magnetic personality to help carry that out. Alvin Gentry does, and uh, and so I'm not surprised he connected with people, and that when he was the guy that people wanted to turn to for answers, that he was uh, a voice that fans enjoyed listening to because he is, uh, if nothing else, he criticizes basketball stuff as much as you want. He'll listen to it, he'll accept it, he understands it. He is a stand-up person. He is a true professional uh, in the organization, and he is totally, uh, you know, self-aware. And I think those things matter in moments like that where things are going really bad. Alvin Gentry, uh, back to him on this. And I've been asking everybody that I can get an opinion on, uh, both on air, behind the scenes, about his future with the Pelicans and whether it just comes down to if Danny Ferry is the GM, if he'd keep him, and if somebody else, they wouldn't. Uh, what do you make of his future here with the organization? Yeah, you know, it's hard to tell. I've heard conflicting kind of, information from different people at different times about uh, you know whether or not that it would be not mandated but at least suggested that if you if a new GM gets a job that you give Alvin at least a chance to take this team into the next season 
Um, and then I've also heard them kind of they've given carte blanche to whoever it is that, you know, you hire your own coach, which I think probably makes the most sense. Um, but the bottom line in all of this is that Gentry has gained favor inside the organization. I think there's no – Gail Benson has made it very obvious that she respects Alvin Gentry. She respects the job he's done. She likes him uh, as a person. And I think she would like to see him get a fair shot from whoever it is. But I think the practical side of this is that if a new GM comes in and has a coach in mind that they really want to hire, they're going to let him hire him. Um, and that Alvin will, you know, he's guaranteed another year's salary. Alvin's not going on to a bread line or anything like that. So it's not as if it's the end of the world. Um, and he gets it. He's been around. He's been fired five times or whatever. So he understands the way that it goes. Um, but I, I don't expect it to be a – guarantee like you have to keep him as the coach uh, I think he'll get the benefit of the doubt that if a GM walks in the door whether it be Rosas or Griffin or uh, or obviously Danny Ferry if a GM walks in the door and doesn't have a favorite coach in mind uh, that he's going to get a shot uh, to, to keep the job more you know more than 50-50 but that all kind of depends on how this goes and, and that's what We've just been sitting here for the last few months. I mean, you know it as well as anybody. We're sitting here talking hypotheticals because they don't have a leader of the organization. They have it since mid-February. And so it's really weird to kind of just sit here and bat these things around because once we know who it is, we'll have a much better idea of what's going on. But in the meantime, it's all just sort of guessing. And that's the situation that Alvin Gentry has been in since mid-February as well. Okay, I've asked you what you think is going to happen. I've asked you what you think other people uh, think is going to happen. But what is Scott Kushner? If I made you acting president of basketball operations here right now, who would you hire as GM? What would you do with Alvin Gentry? Oh, man, that's a tough call. Personally, I think that uh, I would, just for the sake of, of optics, and that's the business that I'm in. Is the say is the business of optics? Okay, so it's not as if this is the, the best answer necessarily. But if I'm running the Pelicans right now, I want a clean slate. Um, I think that is the best option for everybody. Uh, the the face of familiarity is Drew Holiday, and then everybody else goes. You make the Anthony Davis trade. You hire Gerson Rosas or whoever you thought was best in those interviews. I didn't sit in those interviews. I think Gerson is super qualified um, to win that role. And I don't think it has anything to do with Danny Ferry. Just, but just because he's been here and just because he's been around, mm-hmm. I think you let him go. I think you let Alvin go. I think you start completely over and, uh, and move forward in a totally new direction. I don't see why you keep any relics of the past around. It didn't work and it's time to just wipe it and move forward. And I think that's probably the best approach. I don't necessarily believe that's the approach they'll take. Okay, I, I just uh, kept you on for a second day of the Kushner uh, regime here with the Pelicans. <laughs> so now you have a chance to weigh in on an Anthony Davis trade. We don't know the draft order yet, so this could change. But right now, where do you think the Pelicans can extract the most value for AD? I still think they need – more than anything, more than the picks, they need to get at least one player who is a proven commodity in the NBA. And I really think that Jason Tatum is an option. Uh, I do think that that's, you know, we'll see what's what, but everyone from Boston uh, is, you know, kind of was pushing that how badly they want AD and that he's such a critical piece. And I think it's pretty clear that they're going to have a lot of trouble keeping Kyrie Irving unless they go get a guy like Anthony Davis. So in order to 
to shore up their foundation, they need to go make that move. I think Jason Tatum has sent all the right signals of him wanting to be the guy who takes over his own team. Um, if you can get Tatum and get some of those picks, I still think that's the best package that's available out there. And I just see, you know, remove Davis the Eastern Conference, which is probably, uh, you know, better overall. You don't have to see him four times a year. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense to go and and work a deal with Boston where you end up with one, at least one proven player uh, and then some picks and start over. And you can build a foundation off of that. I think that's been proven true that you can make that work. Uh, what they end up doing is going to be difficult. I, I, also, the timeline could be really difficult, especially if Kyrie you know, straight up ass out. Uh, are they going to try to go get AD to go play one year in Boston for that? No, uh, that, that changes the whole calculus of everything. So the moving pieces are endless, uh, but they need someone in that chair who is confident and who has a real system that actual metrics and actual, you know, hard line stances that say, this is what we want. This is the value that we prefer. And that's the problem they had with Del Demps that it never quite, that the system was always changing. Everything they wanted was different. One year they got Omer Ashik and the next year they went and got each one more. And it's like, what, but there's no through line between these moves that you're doing. DeMarcus Cousins was this just total, you know, left, left field move. They need someone who has a steady hand and who has a real objective measurement system of what he values and what he wants to see this team be. And that is the most important thing to this franchise as you go through the next few months, which are supremely critical to the future uh, of basketball in New Orleans. Scott, I always appreciate your insight, buddy. Uh, Let's do it again soon. Thanks so much. Absolutely, man. Talk to you soon. All right. Scott Kushner, Pelicans reporter for The Advocate, at Scott D. Kushner on Twitter. You should be following him, and you should be reading his work every day at The Advocate. We'll take a break. Opening up the phone lines now for you at 504-260-1870 and our text line always open at 870-870 here on The Last Lap. This We had a – oh, yeah, this is um, – not what, what's the yeah oh, I know it's Old Town Road. What's the what's the rapper's name? L- Little Nas X. That's right. So the story behind this song, if anybody who doesn't know, Little Nas X, he is a country trap artist. Not necessarily rap. He considers him country trap. And this song rose to number one on the country charts on Billboard. And then because they had backlash by country music fans. They removed it from the country charts. And you know what happened after that? This song rose to the number one spot in the world on the Billboard Hot 100. I don't know if it's still there now. I know it was earlier this week. So this is the most played, most popular song in the country. Um, No play on words um, there. But yeah, this country trap song. It's crazy. You say Billy Ray Cyrus just remixed it? I remember seeing that, Tim. Yeah, we'll throw that into the rotation. Absolutely. Here's a couple of texts, one from the 504. It would be nice to see the Pelicans get Mr. Smart in the draft. Wow. I mean, that the level of LSU homerism, I can appreciate there. But if the Pelicans spend a draft pick on Javante Smart, I promise you, and you can write this down and mark the tape. If the Pelicans spend a draft pick on Javante Smart, I will dedicate three full hours on this show to ripping them to shreds for doing that because that should not happen. 
Javante Smart should not get drafted by any NBA team. He is not ready. I am not begrudging him at all for wanting to go get paid if that's what he wants. But it'll either be in the G League or overseas right now, and it certainly won't be with an NBA draft pick. And, of course, the Pelicans aren't going to do that, so we won't have to spend an entire show doing it. <laughs> Thanks for the text, though. And I really mean I appreciate the level of LSU homerism there. I've done that with my alma mater before. No doubt about it. We get caught up in that. Wait, say this, Tim? What, what's what that? No, Mark is smart. I don't even want to go there. 504-260-1870, text line 870-870. One hour down, two to go here on the last lap. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.